God, take our ears and hear through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire for Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Well, back when I was a, a much younger pastor, uh, on an Easter morning, much like this, one of the fourth grade girls in the church that I was serving at the time, her name was Nora, she came up to me just before the service and she just straight up asked, what does Easter mean? And I got to be honest, I froze up a little bit. I mean, I've been to seminary, I had an Easter sermon in my hand, and I was still a little bit flustered. I mean, Easter is the wondrous mystery at the very heart of our faith. But how to explain it to a fourth grader, even a very precocious fourth grader like Nora? Um, I wish that I'd had an egg to break over my head. I think that would have (laughs) worked. But the thing is, there are really no analogies for resurrection. You know, we talk about bulbs becoming flowers. But the truth is, if you plant a bulb in the ground in the fall and you let it overwinter, if you did it right, you're going to get a flower in the spring, every spring, year after year. That's how nature works. Not really how resurrection works. It's only happened once so far. And the way our culture celebrates Easter doesn't really help that much either. Chocolate bunnies and Easter baskets filled with peeps, not that useful. So I was sort of stalling, kind of trying to gather my thoughts, and uh, Nora asked me again, what does the word Easter mean? Oh, what does the word Easter mean? Now, that's a little bit different question. And happily, I remembered something I'd read just a couple days earlier, so I could tell her, well, Easter, it's an old English word for an old spring holiday. And when Christians started to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus in the spring, they started to use that word. And ever since in English, we've called it Easter. And she seemed pretty satisfied with that answer, and she wandered off. I was not really all that satisfied. I thought I should be able to explain Easter to a fourth grader. So, what does Easter mean? Well, today we've heard Matthew's account of Easter, of the resurrection of Jesus. And up to this point in the story that Matthew tells, up to this really radical disjuncture in chapter 28, the story of Jesus seems pretty inevitable. I mean, Jesus started out in Galilee, in the countryside of Galilee. He went around telling parables of the kingdom of heaven. He had this vision of the way that people could live together in love and justice. And he healed people, and he fed people, and he welcomed in people who had otherwise been left out. And he talked about the power of forgiveness, and he challenged them to give away their lives in service to others. And people started to believe him. They started to trust him. They started to follow him. The way that he talked about God and the way that he talked about life and about the future was winsome and hopeful, at least for some of the people. For others, and especially those people who were in positions of power and positions of privilege, the way that Jesus talked and and the gathering, the followers that was coalescing around him, well, that was starting to be unsettling and threatening and dangerous. And so the story of Jesus in Matthew's gospel and Mark and Luke and John is always headed toward Jerusalem, toward the center of power, religious power, political power, economic power. It's always headed toward a climactic confrontation with the powers that be, and the outcome is inevitable. There had been other would-be messiahs before Jesus. There had been other would-be liberators, and their stories all ended the same way. And Jesus knew it. 
More than once on the way to Jerusalem, he talked about being killed when he got there. And sure enough, when they got to Jerusalem, a plot was hatched. He was betrayed. He was arrested. He was convicted in a show trial. And on Good Friday, a couple nights ago, we read the story of his crucifixion, of his death. Seems like the inevitable end to the story. I mean, that's just the way the world always works, isn't it? Jesus is this sort of idealistic, hopeful dreamer, but not nearly realistic enough. Foolish to think that what he said could come true. But what if that wasn't the end of the story? What if the women on the way to the tomb at dawn on that first day of the week felt the earth quake beneath their feet? And what if when they got to the tomb, the stone had been rolled away? And what if they found an angel there who said, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He was raised. Well, now that would change everything. See, that means that fear and hatred and violence are not the inevitable end to the story. It means that God's love is stronger even than death. It means that the good news of Jesus goes on. It means that the kind of life that Jesus promised together, the beloved community, is possible. I love the way that Clarence Jordan summed up the meaning of Easter. Clarence Jordan was a Baptist theologian and preacher in the deep south in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. He founded uh, Koinonia Farms. It's a wonderful story. Clarence Jordan summed up the meaning of Easter this way. The resurrection of Jesus was simply God's unwillingness to take our no for an answer. I love that. God's unwillingness to take our no for an answer. Jesus embodied the love of God. He said there were two things that matter most. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And then he showed us what that looks like. And the love of Jesus was so pure, it was so radical, it was so transformative, and so unsettling that we humans killed him. We saw what love looked like, and we said no. But God raised Christ from the dead. God refused to take our no for an answer. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's the meaning of Easter. The meaning of Easter is yes. And if I'd been smarter and wiser all those years ago, that's what I would have told Nora. The meaning of Easter is yes. Easter is God's yes to you and to all of us and to all of creation. It's God's yes to life over death, to goodness over evil, to forgiveness over revenge, to love over fear. That's the hope at the center of our faith. Because the truth is, all of us, at some point in our lives, all of us say no to love. That's what the Bible calls sin. Sin is just the refusal of love, the refusal to be loved by God and the refusal to love others in the way that God has loved us. There are times we hurt people that we care for, we deceive people that trust us. Uh, we turn away from people who need us. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of being the people we want to be, the people that God's created us to be. Easter is God's refusal to take no for an answer. When we've come to a dead end, when we can't figure out how to find a way forward, when we're lost, when we're alone, God says yes. Yes to forgiveness. Yes to a fresh start. Yes to a new future. God says yes to you. 
And God says yes to all of us. And there are times when I look at the world around us and I wonder if things are ever going to change. I wonder if we're ever going to repair the legacy of racism in this country. I wonder if people who are refugees or people who are living outside are ever going to find a safe place to call home. I wonder if we'll stem the tide of economic inequity so that everyone has what they need to thrive. I wonder if what we do ever really makes a difference. We house people from Family Promise. We give money to MDS and MCC and MWC and all a lot of the other things that start with M. And there are times I wonder if all of that ever really makes much of a difference because a lot of the time the answer seems to be no. Easter is God's yes. God wasn't defeated. God isn't finished. We haven't been abandoned to our own destructive impulses. The power that raised Christ from the dead continues to work continues to make the world whole and holy. Easter is God's yes. And we who are followers of Christ are called to live out that yes of the gospel. You know, in the story from Matthew 28, when the women left the tomb on that first Easter morning, we're told that suddenly Jesus met them and said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers and sisters to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Well, Galilee is where most of them were from. Jesus was from Nazareth. Uh, most of the disciples fished out of Capernaum. Jesus sends them home. He sends them back to the places where they lived and worked, back to their families and their friends and their neighbors and their community. And when they get there, Jesus meets them, and he challenges them to go out into all the world and continue what he'd begun. And that's still the challenge to all of us to go out into the world and continue what Christ has begun. And again, I love the way that Clarence Jordan sums up the meaning of Easter. Here's the rest of the quote I, I mentioned earlier. The resurrection of Jesus was simply God's unwillingness to take our no for an answer. God raised Jesus not as an invitation to us to come to heaven when we die, but as the declaration that he himself has now established permanent, eternal residence here on earth. He is standing beside us, Strengthening us, strengthening us in this life. The good news of the resurrection of Jesus is not that we shall die and go home to be with him, but that he has risen and comes home with us, bringing all of his hungry, naked, thirsty, sick, prisoner brothers and sisters with him. The good news of resurrection is that Jesus comes home with us. The spirit of the risen Christ is with us, strengthening us in the places that we live and work, among our families, our neighbors, our community. He challenges us still to begin the work that he, uh, to continue the work that he began, the work of compassion and justice and equity and mercy, the work of seeking the peace of the city, the work of bearing witness to the kind of life together that God intends for all creation. Jimmy Carter, uh, Sunday school teacher for a long time at his Baptist church in Plains, Georgia, uh, former president, and as importantly, tireless volunteer with Habitat for Humanity, which was founded right at Koinonia Farms in America's Georgia. Jimmy Carter put it this way, my faith demands that I do whatever I can, wherever I am, uh, when, uh, wherever I am, uh, whenever I can, for as long as I can, with whatever I have, to try to make a difference. That's how we live out the yes of the gospel, doing whatever we can, wherever we are, with whatever we have. 
And the thing is, when we do, a funny thing happens. Easter becomes more than an event in the distant past. It becomes more than a holiday, a holy day that we celebrate once a year. More than something that happened, it becomes something that happens to us and in us and through us. There's a terrific line uh, near the end of one of, Jared, one of Jared Manley Hopkins' poems, The Wreck of the Deutschland. In the last stanza, he writes, Let him Easter in us. Be a dayspring to the dimness of us. Be a crimson, cresseted east. Easter goes from being a noun to being a verb. Let him Easter in us. Let the power of God that raised Christ from the dead Easter in us. Let the love of God that Jesus embodied Easter in us. Let the Spirit of God that's creating and recreating new life Easter in us. Easter means yes. It is God's yes to you, to me, to each of us, to all of us, to the whole creation. And so let us go from here saying yes to the power of God's love that can make all things new. Thanks be to God.